2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more And plan your summer with Sean Paul Some 41, 30 Seconds from Mars Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club
3: Welcome everyone to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast I am your host, Jimmy Trena Thanks so much for listening, downloading It's all appreciated this week's show We have two interviews First up if you follow me on Twitter and read Train of Thoughts every day on SI.com, you know uh, I'm a little bit of a fan of Yankee Radio broadcasters John Sterling and Susan Waldman, aka Ma and Pa Pinstripe. They are on the show together. Went out to Yankee Stadium to interview them in person, and uh, it's a little bit all over the place because I uh, forgot my notes. But that's okay. I was able to interview them without notes, but. They are characters, and they were characters during this interview. So if you're a Yankee fan or a baseball fan, uh, John and Susan are first up. And then after John and Susan, for you NFL fans, TV fans out there, we have the um, executive producer, senior coordinating producer of Hard Knocks, which debuts Tuesday, August 6th. We are less than a week away from Hard Knocks. Ken Rogers is the show head, and he uh, spills the beans on what we can expect from the Raiders, gave us some interesting nuggets overall on the show, how the teams get picked. Uh, Said the Browns were actually a consideration for back-to-back seasons, which I thought was interesting. So this episode, we start with John Sterling and Susan Waldman, the radio voices of the New York Yankees. John recently ended his streak there, and uh, we get into that. And then after that, Ken Rogers, who is in charge of hard knocks on HBO to break down that, And uh, before we get to John and Susan, just a quick reminder, please subscribe if you're listening to this, new listener. If you subscribe, that helps a lot. Rate, review, and um, if you want to listen to past episodes, we uh, went into the Dan Lebertard versus ESPN battle last week with Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. John O'Ran from Sports Business Journal was on two weeks ago to talk about the NFL's TV future, streaming rights, and stuff like that. Recent guests include Joe Buck, Scott Van Pelt, Seth Rollins. Next week on this podcast... Stone Cold Steve Austin Alright, now let's focus on this week with the radio voices of the New York Yankees John Sterling and Susan Waldman. Alright, I'm going to try to control myself and not get too excited. I'm with two of my favorites If you follow me on Twitter and read my column you know I love John Sterling and Susan Waldman, the voices of the New York Yankees and they are both here at me at Yankee Stadium Thank you both for doing this
4: Sure, thank you for having
3: us. John, you were on last year uh, on the podcast, first time for Susan, but we got to start. You recently, the streak, the famous streak ended. How are you feeling? Just want to make sure everything's good. You're okay? You ready to go the rest of the season?
5: Yes, in a word. Um, I, I wasn't feeling well, and my program director kept urging me to take time off, and I saw the perfect time, four games in Tampa, <laughs> and then the All-Star break, so I had like eight days. No, I feel fine. Thank you very much.
3: When you guys have to go on a road trip, do you dread any because of the city you're going to or the stadiums you have to call? The game? Like, Tampa's obviously the worst stadium. Right. Does that play into it, or do you say, oh, I don't want to go to that city?
5: So not not it- for broadcast. Right. Tampa's good Good for broadcast. Okay. Uh, my only problem with the traveling is getting in late. They don't give the Yankees getaway day games. Right. And we get in the cities at 4 or 5 in the morning, and it's a, we got into Boston at 5 in the morning. Yeah. And um, that to me is a killer. What about For, you?
4: No, none of that bothers me. What bothers me is working conditions. I hate going to Wrigley Field because there's no way to get down, and you, the booth is awful. I don't like that. I don't like the same reason at Dodger Stadium. I care about that stuff. I love yeah. Tampa. I mean, it's a great, great city. Right. We're there a lot. Work. It's easy to work, and the the the, um, <laughs> the PA is a little loud. But right, you right. know, I look at it that way. And there's no city yeah. that I dread. You easy can always find things to, to from do from
3: New York. Not the. Def- not difficult. Right. Uh, was it hard for you to take those days off and end
5: that famous streak? No. Um, I never thought about the streak. Never. In 38... Really, the streak is 38 years. It began in Atlanta in 81. Right. Um, I, I never thought about it, and I never cared about it. I mean, I never went to work saying, oh, boy, I've added another one to the streak. Isn't that <laughs> silly? And And also, no one will ever come close to it. And if they do, as I tell people... When they do, I'll be dead. So I mean, it's not <laughs> a, a, a tremendous worry. He's gonna
4: outlive us all. He's gonna be there. The next person is probably in kindergarten, and John is still gonna be on the air, still, and he's gonna have the next streak.
3: Still coming up with home run call. I, according to Wikipedia, which you, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, it's a website on the internet that's sort of like an encyclopedia. I'm
5: not familiar with
3: it.
4: They get things wrong on right. Wikipedia. Right, they're not Everything's always wrong.
3: They're not always accurate. Let's just say that. But when I looked at it in doing some research for this interview, they said your streak was. 5,090 games with the Yankees, which is pretty wild.
5: Yeah, but I didn't count them up, and I don't know if they're true. Uh, Actually, when it began in Atlanta, there were five years I was doing the Hawks and Braves and doing about 220 games a year. And um, with the Yankees, the only time I ever missed it it took a couple of days off to bury my sister. I don't consider that missing two games so right. it has to do with how you look at it who cares
3: now, J- john has famously said he's doing this forever he's not stopping you know do you have the same feelings do you want to have a time where you're not working and enjoy life without I
4: haven't the slightest idea I don't live my life like that I never have when I was in theater I just went from one when I if when and if I get tired of this I'll find something else to do I don't retire nobody if you retire you might as well die um but if I have something else I want to do I'll do it but right now this is terrific
3: I don't think people understand or realize how much of a part of the Yankees you are in in this generation. Like you've been doing the games with John since 2005. 15 years, right. But I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember. (laughs) This is what I don't think people understand because we live in this Internet age. If you wanted Yankee information, everyone listening to this knows I'm a dire Yankee fan. If you wanted Yankee information back in the day. You had to listen to Susan at 5 o'clock with Mike and the Mad Dog on W. That's how you knew about the lineups, the injuries, trade. Obviously, now technology has changed the whole game. But um, do you think back on that time when you were the reporter, where you really were the source of information for the fans fondly? Was that a good time? I know you went through a lot of stuff with players and the press not— Really being happy, a woman was in the business, right. But but that time with Mike and the Mad Dog, when you had the juice at that time, was that an exciting time for you?
4: Well, it was a it, it was a great time, and actually, it was because of that that. Five minutes and or eight minutes after five o'clock is a reason. Back in '87 and '88, that I became friendly with George, and because um, he never included me in things, and because I was radio and whatever, and I took the the sales from those those uh, days. That five minutes, and I wrote out a whole thing to George and said, "This is why I'm important. This is why you you need to talk to me." Because it turned out that more people listened to me at 5:05 than read every single paper in the tri-state area. So yes, I do look back on this. Those times fondly, yeah. no matter yeah. what, went right. on.
3: It's been well known if anyone has heard about Susan's stories. There was a lot of, you know, coming up, the players and other press were not thrilled with a woman becoming a reporter and covering the Yankees. I, I was always surprised about how much you said the press gave, uh, fellow peers gave you a hard time about it. Players, I, I, I wasn't shocked when I heard that, you know, back in the 80s. Uh, how long did it take for your peers to accept you? I don't think they do. Even now? No.
4: I think I'm here and I'm tolerated. I don't right. think I'm accepted, except by John, <laughs> and that's all that matters because I'm working with him. I think I'm tolerated here. I don't feel accepted.
3: Is that overall it's in baseball or even here in New York?
4: Here,
3: really. Hmm. But I feel like you guys are so popular. You feel the popularity, don't you? Though with the fans,
5: I as I said on a daily basis, yeah. I'm celebrated. I think it's fabulous. I'm very fortunate. I think we have become um, a very, you know, I grew up in a period where there were teams. Right. Texan Jinx, um, Ted Brown and the Redhead, things like that. So, you know, we're that kind of a Dorothy and Dick. <laughs> uh, Dorothy Kilgallen, her husband. Um, I think we've uh, obviously achieved that. We're uh, a well known and listened to radio team. We're broadcasting the Yankees. The Yankees have a heck of a team and heck of a following. And, we're a big part of it. Do you feel? Do you agree that with
3: that? I do, sure. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, you guys have become a f- part of the team. It's, it feels like, in a way, with the fans. I mean, they just they love listening to you guys, the entertainment that you provide. And
5: um, I would say this to you, Jimmy. Yeah. I think the fans know how important we are, and how vital we are, and how we're a part of the Yankees. Right. I don't know if all the Yankees understand that. The players, you mean, or the? Yeah, I hmm. think. Well, whoever. I I can't go one by one because I don't know because I don't ask them because right, I don't right, care. Right now, I think the hierarchy certainly understands, and, and certainly the hierarchy at at um, Entercom, this bought out CBS. Yeah. they understand. Yeah, but but I if you talk about the fans, the, the, uh, which is the ones who we're in contact with, um, I think they understand. No. Well, understand.
3: I, I I hope this isn't a. This doesn't bother you this question, but I'm just curious. Cause I mean it from a lighthearted standpoint. Bob Raisman famously nicknamed you guys "Ma and Pa Pinstripe," which I think I which I think is great. I know the fans. Do you guys embrace and like that moniker, or do you f- thought he was being sort of sarcastic with that moniker? How do you feel about that nickname? Because you're almost known as that now in, in to Yankee fans.
5: It, I don't really have an uh, uh, I, I, a mom pop pinstripe doesn't do anything for me. I think it's nonsense. Really? Okay. I think Bob Race. Now I I feel
3: bad because I always refer to you guys as mom pop pinstripe when I tweet uh, about it's it. It's
5: a nice thing. <laughs> I think he's it's
3: nonsense. It's with love. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. I get that.
4: Well, no, I think it's fine. I think yeah. it's adorable, actually, yeah. and right. I I think it's absolutely absolutely right. You know, the thing is, and and I I do most of what I do is because of relationships with players and scouts, and that's what I do, and I love doing that. Um, we are really clear. Uh, to whom we're speaking we are talking to we are on the radio, giving information, broadcasting for Yankee fans. We're broadcasting Yankee games for Yankee fans. And what what, what I try and do is do some, is give information that they can't get on television and then they can't get in the newspaper. As far as somebody else making, I never took it as an insult. Right. I th- it came with that picture. I thought it was adorable, yeah. actually. It it was is. After the World Series and the pitchfork. And I right. laughed, you know, it's part of Americana. I took it as that John and I are part of Americana like the Grant Wood picture.
3: I love it.
5: That and that's that's the way
3: you should have taken it. I oh, love he, that. He
5: called me something else. Um, his his nicknames don't do it at all. Right. Um, they're so simplistic. But he called me something else, um, a rapper. Now the rapper got killed, so he couldn't use that anymore.
3: <laughs> I don't remember. I have that. no idea because I, I don't know. Rappers. Oh, I can't wait to look that up. I don't remember that. I don't know that. I just always remember Mom Pop Pinstripe. I don't well, remember. I wish I
5: could remember it.
3: I'll look it up. On Wikipedia, Um <laughs>
4: Wikipedia is always wrong. Not
3: always, most sometimes, but not always. I'm, cu- um, I'm curious. When I had you on the podcast last year, I asked you about your prep on a game day, and I loved your answer. You said I don't do prep. I watch baseball, and I do the Yankees every day. And well,
5: actually, um, you watch I, sports. I Center. don't do quote unquote prep, right? But I've been doing prep since I was seven years old. Right. So.
3: Now, Susan, you like you said, you do a different thing here is an, 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 right. an analyst mm-hmm. telling stories what's your i'm just curious because i know listeners would love to know what's your game day prep like
4: well when the clubhouse opens i'm in there i try and talk to everybody that's in there then i talk to the manager report every single day um so when you're talking to the manager every day you get a sense of what is going on here and then i do another play another player or something and either a yankee or i'll go to the um the visiting side i try and spend almost the same amount of time in the opposite side because there are always there's always a yankee everywhere yeah and they'll always give you information and i was over in arizona for a while trying to find out some things what's going on there and that's what I do and that takes it up to time we have dinner and go on the air that's the prep.
3: John I'm curious are you are you sick of talking about the home run calls?
5: Well it's such a big thing I'm very lucky let's face it I'm very fortunate I made this all up it's nonsense (laughs) and and uh, people really like it so um, I'm, I'm very lucky I discovered it You know, the Yankees win. It's done all the time. I did Yankees win, the Yankees win. And all of a sudden, one day, as I'm doing it, I put rock and roll into it. I I didn't know what I was doing. Yankees win. The And it it caught on. So that and the home run calls. Well, and and
3: let's not forget, I... I'm wearing the shirt underneath, but I'm being professional by not unbuttoning the first shirt yet. I have a That's baseball, Susan <laughs> shirt, which I think is so underrated. I mean, that's that is a great one. That's I mean, we hear that you know, and, and it's you're not on the internet, I know, and I, you're not on Twitter. I think you're just on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I mean. When something weird happens, you don't. There are hundreds of people who will tweet. <laughs> you can't predict baseball, Susan, or yeah. that's even if it's not even a baseball thing. You know, it could be someone who doesn't deserve winning, let's say an Oscar, and they win, it, and they go. That you can't predict the Oscar, Susan. It's become a thing. That
4: I, that I do know, yeah. and I do. I have a surreptitious account on Twitter, so I see other people. You won't know who I am, right? But I'm wa- I'm watching there, and that I've seen. And when something like that's baseball, Susan becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, in other things yeah. like you know there's no milk at the at the grocery store it's out well oh, yeah. that's that's milk Susan. Yes. I have oh. actually heard that
3: that's an eye and eagle trick by the way he does that too he has a Twitter account but no one knows what it is and he just follows people um, to get the news uh,
5: I read um and Susan uh, reads the same things I just finished a book on uh, Catherine Hepburn Susan gave him for my birthday but anyway I've read every Bob Hope Frank Sinatra Bing Crosby, etc. book. I read them all. And Hope, which is the most interesting, he had a radio show and went to Hollywood, started doing his first movie, but the radio show was the big thing. They let him do it from the coast, and they threw lines out that meant nothing. (laughs) And then during the week, they'd hear the lines come back. Well, they had, wow, what a success. So that's how yeah. I feel about
4: well, when you know, our
5: lines come back.
3: Even before you, Scooter was like that a little bit. You know, yes. cannoli yes. and the birthdays, and you know, but, it was all over the place. But
4: but don't you understand that that's what local radio is. You're yeah. part of people's lives. And, you know, and I felt that way growing up, and I'm sure John did too, and that's what I think a lot of people who criticize or don't understand. We're not doing a national game. We know to whom we're speaking. And it's... And it's part of their lives and being part of it. And, you know, people ask us on the road where we go. If John says we were going to dinner on the road, people show up at the restaurant. It's unbelievable.
3: Wow. Wow. Even on the road. that's Well, you know, Yankee fans travel well. So yes, it shouldn't they be that shot. Should, shouldn't be that shocked.
5: So Because of the apps, right. Right. we're heard everywhere.
4: That's right. Yes. Well, that's it,
5: how. It, around the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's wild about the road.
4: I we were talked to in, by the BBC people came last year. The guy, the head of the sports department, at BBC, sits in his house in London. He gets off work at midnight when we're starting our games and listens to our games yeah. in London yeah. every night. Yeah. That's how he knew so much about us. Yeah.
3: I, li- I listen to you guys, I put the TV on mute, I listen to you guys, and when there is a new player hitting a home run, I get about 50 tweets from people saying, do you have the Sterling call? <laughs> it's 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 a trip, it's a trip. Um, I, I want to talk about some baseball things, about some players and stuff, I- but Susan, just quickly for a minute, we talked about this a little bit, I, I don't want to get into a whole big thing, because it's a-, it's a deep topic, but you went through a lot of hard times, we talked about it. Um and I thought it was interesting in the interview you did with Newsday earlier this year, you said you don't think much has changed in terms of women in broadcasting. There
4: are more, right? but, it's, but they're not doing – where it's going to change is I know of four young girls in their, in their young 20s who are doing A-ball baseball. Four from for major league teams. Um, radio,
3: radio, radio, okay. Mm-hmm.
4: And the, there are four that I know of, and I'm. I hear there's more, but four send me tapes, and four I know of. Um, that's where it's going to be, and it's gener- It's still a couple. I thought it would be a lot earlier, and you know, I still look in radio. There's just there's still me. There's more women. I mean, there's women in the in the on the sidelines, and there's women in the brought not in, in not in the booth.
3: Do you do you feel like a pioneer?
4: I guess. I mean, I
3: yeah. I mean, you're the first and only full-time right. woman analyst in the sport.
4: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. there's nothing wrong. What, with do you, that. <laughs> what do you
3: what do you think needs to change?
4: It's not gonna it's not gonna change. Somebody is gonna have to be really good. Um, you just don't that there are there's not very many jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. 30 teams there maybe there'll be more so it's gonna take it's gonna take a very long time but now they're out there and they're doing it the right way they're doing it the right way they're starting at the beginning where they have to work alone they have to sell sales ads and all that and we'll see we'll see
3: do do young female broadcasters come to you for advice often a lot do yeah
4: not so much as they did
3: interesting it is, it's fascinating to me, too, in the NFL, where it's just accepted that, like, every sideline reporter is a woman, like does not, and no one seems to push back on that. Like, why are they not elevated, ever? It's, it's
4: That's not a question for me. That's a question for the people who hire.
3: Right, right. All right. That was serious. We'll, we'll turn to some more. Fun. John, you did a basketball game, Nets, this year. How is it dipping back into your NBA roots? You did the Hawks for so many
5: years. It was years. Uh, marvelous. Yeah. And I did it as easily as I've ever done. And um, it's like I wasn't away at all. That's something inside of me. I played my whole life. And I broadcast NBA for over 16 years. So going back, it was a, it was a true labor of love. I loved it. Do you think you'll do another game? I mean, you've got to do a game
3: this year with Ke- Kevin Durant and Kyrie there now.
5: You've
3: got to do a game this year now with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the Nets. It's yeah, going to be exciting. I don't know
5: when Durant is playing, but...
3: Oh, that's right. He's out this year. That but was I'm, a bad I'm, certainly, I'm right. certainly hopeful. He's out this year, yeah.
5: they want to use me, I'd yeah. be glad to do it.
3: Yeah. I want to ask you about players. Um, if you don't mind, give me the best pitcher and hitter you've seen as broadcasters. Not when you were a kid, if you saw a man. As broadcasters, Yankee broadcasters. Best hitter and best pitcher.
5: You mean best hitter and best pitcher who became broadcasters? No,
3: no, no. Who, you've seen, pl- who played? As players, the best hitter you've ever seen in person.
4: That you broadcast. Yeah. Uh,
3: that you your, broadcast. What was your
4: answer? I'm not going to answer it because okay. I haven't the slightest idea.
3: I thought for sure you'd both go at Mariano right off the bat.
4: Oh, okay. I, I don't <laughs> like to do bests. I think it's okay. Mariano is the best of all time at anything he ever did. It'll never be done again, so I guess so, yeah.
5: Well, one thing, though, I'm, I'm one of those who can't tell you uh, who is the best in anything? I don't believe in that phrase. Now you know I love Sinatra, but is, is he the best? How, how about Ella? How about Vic Damone? Uh, that kind of well, thing. well,
3: it, it, it's not. It's just an opinion. It's not like a. I mean, listen. I think a lot of people would say Frank's the best, but it's. Still I would no.
4: Who's the best? <laughs> Who's the best? <laughs> there, there aren't. It's well, different. There, he yeah. just didn't. Just yeah, it has him.
5: to do with how you like their voice. Uh, how yeah. you how you respond to it. Who do you like better than Frank? I'll rephrase the
3: question that way.
4: It's they're all different, but I've never. It, he never got to me. Really? Mm-hmm. That's another story.
3: Well, you grew up in Boston. Maybe it was like a... Well, he was... You no, know. I grew up
4: in theater. I grew up with emotion. I grew right. up... Um, yeah. Do different. you like
3: current theater? Or do you think it's...
4: I love current theater.
3: Give me uh, like a great show you've seen recently.
4: Recently? How many... T- I've seen Hamilton six times. Yeah. I've seen Come From Away three times. Um, there's millions of shows.
3: Yeah. Do you go to the theater?
5: Um, yes, I <laughs> love the theater. Um... <laughs> That's a very good question because if you said, "Well, what's the best Broadway show?" I'll name yeah. 10 of them. Yeah. Okay, so I really do believe in that. Right. What's the best book? What's the be- right. I don't believe that there can be the best. Right. I could name so many. Who's the greatest lyricist? Well, oh, yeah. I could give you six, seven lyricists off the top of my head. I love them all. Yeah, I
4: agree with is you. Is it possible? I, I can I've you love always, them all? Yes. Yes, of course you can. Yes.
5: Oh, oh good.
3: <laughs> I've always, I despise when someone says to me, what's your favorite movie? Because I can't pick one. But I, I, I could give I'm, you.
5: I could give you 10. I've thought about this. I could give you 10 of my favorite movies. But 10, I can't tell you which is. the. I don't know how you'd say right. which is the best. Right. But.
4: Well, it's so what. What. You, I could give you it's my favorite. You like. yeah, it's what you like. Well, I, I like know every all. line of All About Eve, so yeah, that's I like associated. them all. <laughs> yeah, all right. Like, that's fair.
3: I like, the, I like. I can understand that. I don't like giving out a best either. But I, I know you guys have seen so many great things on the field. Five World Series. You've got you know, perfect games. Um, do you have a not best favorite moment as a Yankee broadcaster?
5: You know, even that's impossible. Is right. my I favorite th- moment when. Charlie Hayes caught Mark Lemke's pop in 96. You know, that was the first one. And, you know, they got um, knocked out in 95 in a great playoff series. But even in 96, it's so tough. The three games in Atlanta were phenomenal. And then they won back here. It's very, very. That is also very tough. If people say to me, "What's the best moment you've broadcast?" I can't. I can't think of one.
3: I'm just going as a Yankee fan. My favorite game all time is that game in Atlanta with Andy Pettit and John Smoltz. That's my favorite all time game as a Yankee fan. But pretty good. Yeah, that was phenomenal. I. But I guess. There, There's not a moment you think about more than others being in the booth and calling it and seeing the crowd. You know, I don't know, Aaron Boone's Home Run. I mean, they're all – I know you have so many great ones, but there's not one.
4: Not, not for what you think. There are moments, but not for the reason you think. Let I me, mean, there's – for one. example um, – Jim Abbott's no hitter. I was sobbing at the end of that when he was hugging everybody. I don't know how you, it's what hit you emotionally. When Derek Jeter got his 3,000th hit and hit it out, I saw him look at his mother and I saw that smile that is reserved for his family. Those are the kinds of yeah. things that I remember. Not, you know, not not game things, things that happen in a game that hit me emotionally. And right. there's there's too many of those. There's just, yeah. there. That's, that's why people love baseball. That's right. the, I mean, when Doc Gooden with his dad dying, how do you, and he threw a no-hitter. How do you not, you know, think of that? Why
5: wouldn't that be the best moment, but it's just another moment. Yeah. And 96 was a phenomenal year.
3: Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that's why people love baseball. And, you know, baseball sort of, I don't want to say it's having a rough time. It's not. It makes money. The owners make money. But in terms of the popularity in this country, younger players, uh, younger kids maybe not getting into baseball as much as they used to. Do you, as broadcasters, does that concern you? Do you do you think um, you know the sport needs to do a couple of things to maybe help itself build in the future? But what would you like to see the sport do? Anything about the future of baseball? It doesn't bother me at all
5: because I'm so fully wrapped up in baseball. I think it's as great as ever. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ought to change the rules or well, there's some. Um, well, let me. Do, I'll ask you this: Just say yes, no. Robot
3: ump- home plate umpires. Yes, no. yes or no. Do you like replay?
4: needs to be fixed
3: what what do you think
4: it uh, needs to be fixed it's not what they intended i mean this idiocy at second base Mm -hmm. all the time you spend 20 minutes 15 minutes with the lineup cards the other day i mean it's it's um it needs to be fixed if they'd leave it alone and enforce the rules that are there like the strike zone and they keep changing it it's not your strike zone or his strike zone it's the strike zone it's written in the rules if they had it so the rules they keep changing extraneous rules for no reason don't let someone step out of the box frank robinson never Never stepped out of the box. He didn't need to collect himself when Don Drysdale threw at him. He got up and he and he hit. Go back. There's. It doesn't need to be changed. It needs to be fixed and maybe. Think enhanced. about what it was. Yeah. No, it doesn't need any of that. It right. needs to be what is there. The rules are there. You don't have to keep adding things and changing things. And little kids, when they come to a game, they don't get this experience any anywhere else. Maybe if they'd not play, you know, your senses weren't assaulted in between every pitch, they could talk to their fathers and their mothers like we used to, and right. maybe they'd appreciate it a little more. I think that's a huge thing.
3: I think it's it. They kill yeah. you with all the in between. There's no stuff. bench
5: jockeying. You couldn't be heard from across the way. Right. So, man. I don't have those problems uh, it's a thing right. um, broadcasters and writers uh, they have to have a subject so that's a subject yeah well oh. they are trying
3: a lot of stuff in the Atlantic League and I know obviously I'm gonna assume even though you shouldn't that it's Susan's anti-pitch clock what about would you want to see a pitch clock in the sport
5: I I don't mind if they make the pitches pitch quickly, but I was anyway. What is on route (laughs) saying is there's no problem with baseball. It's people who make up problems. First of all, it's an eleven billion dollar business. So I I don't want to interrupt, but I push back a little. Here's where I'd say baseball
3: is a problem. Like the World Series last year, they're starting games at like nine thirty at night. That's a problem. You got to start the games at a reasonable time in the postseason.
5: Yeah, that has to do with television. Oh, baseball should the tell time.
3: the NFL gets to do whatever they want with television. Baseball should tell Fox, right. listen. We need people at eight o'clock to be able to watch this game. Sure,
4: then it then they'll say you take your two hundred and fifty. I'm taking my two hundred and fifty billion dollars and I'm going home. We understand the problems, right. but they have to decide whether they want the game to be great or yeah. they want to put keep putting this extraneous garbage on top of it to try and fix what doesn't need to be yeah. fixed. All right,
3: I'm going to wrap up because you guys have been extremely kind with your time, but let me just get to you two just for a second. What is it a relationship where? Like any people who work together, there's times you're like, oh, I need a break. Or is it always just smooth sailing ahead with you guys? Or do you ever like bigger? Oh, I think, it's,
5: I, I think it's smooth sailing. We yeah. have a great family. Susan and myself and Jack Maldonado and Rick Rausch. Um, we we do it all in the booth. And we have a strong broadcast. Some are better than others, which is life. Uh, no, we have we have no problem. There's, there's no sport like baseball in terms of
3: I would think it would be hard to do your jobs if you weren't close because 162 games. Football is 16 games, the NBA is I mean, you better like the person you're working
4: with. It's a very small booth. It's a very (laughs) small booth. Some are smaller than others, but it's a very small booth. You have to intrinsically like the person you're sitting next to. I know broadcasters. John tells me all the time, this one and this one didn't talk to each other for 15 years. I I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do what we do. God Gotti just
5: said about working with his engineer, and he loved radio. You're f- you're free as a bird, you're flying high. Yeah. But he did say it's a small booth, so you better get along. In right. other words, that's right. all.
4: Well, I think for what we do, also we're two different. We two do. Th- do two totally different things. Yeah. So we have to play off each other and if, you know, you don't like the person, it's easier if you're both doing play-by-play, you do your inning and he does his inning. We don't have that kind of broadcast. Right. So obviously, yeah. you know, you make it work.
3: Well, you've made it work. You've entertained all the Yankee fans and I thank you both for doing that and coming on the sports illustrated media
5: podcast thank you thank all you very the much. most important thing of course <laughs> i will tell you this yeah. uh, we have no plans to retire thank god we have plans to do this for a long time i don't want either one of
3: you retiring ever oh, keep calling the games you. keep giving us the home run calls keep giving me that's
0: baseball susan you got to keep it going <laughs> thank you, thank, I you. It. thank you thank you jimmy
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
3: All right, joining me now from HBO's Hard Knocks. He's the show head of the very popular show, VP of NFL Films. He was on the SI Media podcast last year. Show is starting next week, August 6th, 10 p.m., HBO. So I figured we'd get a preview of the Raiders and Hard Knocks with Ken Rogers. Ken, how are you?
6: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
3: My pleasure. It's one of the very, very, very few things I like about the summers that we get hard knocks in August. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to it before we before we dive into this season in the Raiders. A couple of questions about uh, the show overall. First of all, I think I would imagine you guys had to be thrilled with last year with the Browns. I thought that was sort of a resurgence for Hard knocks and, and, and a great season from start to finish.
6: You know a lot of people say that resurgence that's absolutely true um, you know a lot of I think a lot of people uh, paid attention last year that might not have paid attention to uh, previous seasons you know but the year before was was the Tampa Bay Bucks, which won the Emmy for the best um, edited series of the year so uh, we never felt we needed a resurgence, but the Browns just happened to be a team I think much like the Raiders that were just perfect timing for the NFL fan base as a whole, not just Browns fans. And this year, not just Raiders fans. It's that everyone, if you're a fan of the NFL wants to know what's happening with the Raiders this year. And last year, the Browns were just, they were in the headlines from day one, way before camp started, just because of their, Obviously, unfortunate record, drafting Baker Mayfield, uh, getting a free agent like Jarvis Landry. They were the team to follow. Everyone wanted to see them. And when that combines with us featuring a team, it, it really is the best of both worlds. And that the interest is already there. We think we know how to make a good show no matter what the team is. But when the interest is already at a peak, like it was last year, and the way I think it is this year already... That really does provide the best show. It's what happened with the Jets and and Rex Ryan. It's certainly what happened the first year with the Ravens. So we're excited uh, as much as we were last year.
3: I think what was great about last year, I was such a huge fan of it last year, is that um, you hit all the boxes. Like You know you have Baker. You know people are going to be interested. You know he's a character. So you have that box. Then you had the um, front office inner workings between hugh jackson and the gm and and todd haley and all that stuff you had that and then you check the box of giving the giving the viewers the unknowns call nasib with his breakdown of economics and then of course bob wiley who despises stretching so that i think that was the, so hopefully you guys can do that again with the raiders i mean you have the names there with gruden and antonio brown and then it's always giving us some guys we didn't know were characters who who are characters
6: yeah, you know, it's still early. Obviously, uh, they've only been in camp a couple days now. Um, but we we knew going in, just like we did last year, that there's a couple locks. I'm pretty sure Antonio Brown will make the show. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure John Gruden will make yeah. the show, right? You know, I, Derek Hart's going to make the show. That's usually the easy part and about where it ends. And from there, it really is discovering those people, whether coaches or players, that we – could have never predicted, and we're still you know, early on in that process. Carl uh, Nassib wasn't on our, our radar in terms of his financial knowledge or his personality. Uh, a guy like Devin Kajust was just a, a name on the roster who we did some internet research on. We could have never known that his father uh, had just had a heart attack and that his son would hear about it while being interviewed for Hard Knocks. It's those sort of things that make the show fun to produce and make the show, I think, so real-time exciting for fans because they're really discovering people just as we're discovering them. I think a lot of NFL fans will know the big stars coming into the show, but I doubt a lot of them heard of Devin Kajus before hard knocks. And there's probably going to be a couple people this year that they will not have heard of until they see them on our show. It's, it's really exciting for us to discover it. We're at heart. We're fans and we trust our instincts as fans. If we see something, uh, whether a scene or a soundbite or a player, that we want to show each other in the hallways here. We, we call people in and go, hey, check this out. That means something to us. That means that other fans would like it because we we just have to trust our fan instincts and and put the best 60 minutes on screen.
3: If you don't mind, tell, tell my listeners, and even myself because I still get a little confused about it, the process for how you go about picking the team because there are certain rules about so you can't pick certain teams for whatever reasons, and I think you guys were left with, like, five teams, the Redskins and the um, Raiders, and there were a couple of others. What What is, like, the right. mathematical process on how you get down to what teams you can pick?
6: Uh, well, it, you know, it is mathematical, but it probably is more like calculus than addition or subtraction of teams that will do it. It's it's really a complicated uh, process, uh, that boils down to again our gut instincts. It's um, our, our first our first option, of course, is teams volunteering, which happens very often. Um, discussions happen about this show and various other shows, whether it's uh, access shows like All or Nothing or. Recap shows like Inside the NFL, where we wire players every week. Um, you know, new shows that are coming on the air this year, like The Grind on Epics. I mean, we have we have so many programs that we talk with teams about on literally a daily basis to their to their staff, um, front office, PR people about how we can uh, you know help celebrate the game and the players and the team. That Hard Knocks has talked about year-round, so we're always talking about it with. Believe it or not, all 32 teams. I mean, we're always sort of just discussing the possibility and the future, and maybe this year, maybe next year. I remember the you know the Jets the year before Rex Ryan did it. He said, "Yeah, I don't want to do it this year, but maybe next year." And by the time we got around to the next year, he volunteered before we even you know asked him, and that was because he wanted to show the league, "Hey, the Jets are big and bad and bold, and we're going to be." Fun to watch, and you want to come play for me, and it was almost a recruiting tool. So it really does change on a on a weekly basis. I would say people's interest. This year there were no volunteers. Um, you know, we we don't really talk about the the actual discussions, and I can be honest. You know, the, there's always reasons why a team wouldn't want to do anything in the media. Uh, I I find it funny when people separate hard knocks out and say, oh, hard knocks. You know, is something coaches might not want to do. I, I think anyone who works in this field knows they don't want to do Tuesday press conferences. Hmm. They don't want to go uh, overseas for a game. They don't want to play back-to-back road games. They don't like Thursday night football. They don't like late kickoffs. I mean, there's a lot of stuff they don't like to do. They would. They just want to play football and win football. Um, but once teams are selected, they really understand that NFL Films and the league have built – a date on the calendar. This is a big deal for not just the team, but for the fans of all NFL teams to mark the beginning of a season. When you hear that Hard Knocks theme music and, and you see the coach and uh, hear Liev Schreiber's voice come on screen... You know, football is back. It really is the beginning. I mean, all all teams are at camp right now. I'm not sure that anyone really feels like football is back. But somehow, when that hard knocks music happens, it's on. So the selection process um, is never a dramatic one. Uh, I think a lot of people want to make it out to be antagonistic, but. It's just like doing a press conference uh, or going on the road for a game. It, it might not be people's favorite thing, but once chosen, they understand how important it is for the league and and why it's going to be a good thing in the long term.
3: All right, so tell. So just if you can elaborate on this, tell me if it's true not true. It, it says, So what I see is by league rules, teams could be chosen if they haven't done the show in the last 10 years haven't mm-hmm. been to the playoffs in the last two years and don't have a new head coach coming into the current season. Is that all accurate?
6: That is, yes. Okay.
3: So a team that hasn't, so it can, teams could
6: be and chosen. That's if no one and, has volunteered, which right. really doesn't happen very often.
3: All right. So haven't been to the I'm trying to figure out a way where we can get the Patriots on the show one of these years.
6: <laughs> <laughs> all they all they need to do is not make the right. playoffs. <laughs> so, so basically
3: when Belichick and Brady are gone, we'll get the Patriots on on Hard Knocks. Cuz that's seemingly the only way they're going to miss the well, playoffs. I,
6: I don't I, I don't see either one of them leaving anytime soon right. and I don't see that team not making the playoffs anytime soon. Right. So I I listen, I plan uh to be around this company and this show long enough to see all 32 teams appear. That's my dream. That's my goal. Uh, the Patriots might be last or near last, (laughs) but, uh, they, I guarantee if this show continues into the long future, they'll be on there one year. Um, it really, I mean, listen. Coach Belichick has has done more for NFL films in the last decade than any coach. Right. You know, he he's the first coach to allow us to wire him for an entire season for his football life. Uh, first coach in the history of the NFL to do that. Um, he spent some time here this summer for a, a all-time team show uh, that was recently announced. He he's really into fans seeing the history of the game and what it's about, and he's been great about recording his history. But he doesn't have to volunteer, and he doesn't have to be on that list until he doesn't make the playoffs, and right. that hasn't happened in a long time. So, right. you know, that's a conversation that's more of a, more of a, a joking one of, hey, coach, uh, how about hard knocks? Yeah, you know, maybe when we don't make the playoffs, or maybe, you know, maybe another year. And there's really nothing uh, in it for him in in the sense that there's no need to – to, sh- to jumpstart the team. A lot of coaches that have volunteered for this show have used it as a way to motivate their team and say, mm-hmm. hey, if you want to be where the Patriots are, if you want to be in the spotlight, if you want to be in the playoffs, uh, if you want to play on you know, Championship Sunday, if you want to be watched by all those millions of people on Super Bowl Sunday, you better get used to the spotlight. And Six cameras at training camp practice better not be a distraction. Right. You better get used to this that everyone's watching everything you do. There's no slacking off. There's no cameras are always watching. Coaches are always watching. And I don't know that they need that right now at the Patriots. A lot of the teams that have volunteered for the show have wanted that, have wanted that urgency brought to their team.
3: I I know ratings are not necessarily a huge issue for HBO because it's a subscription based service obviously ratings are, are still important but hbo is about subscribers And i'm just curious the new york the giants were eligible um did you think oh new york market that you know that big market they could be attractive or did the personalities on the raiders sort of overtake anything sort of from the business standpoint in terms of you know markets ratings stuff like
6: that yeah i think the um the, i mean they were obviously talked about and thought about and studied. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of storytelling research here, and there's a lot of interesting storylines there, uh, for sure. We tend to not worry about the market too much. Um, We tend to worry about what the national audience is looking for. And I mean, I'm not a huge social media guy, but I know just over the summer when everyone talks about who's going to be on Hard Knocks, and I still can't believe Mm -hmm. that people Care that early, but they do, which is awesome. Um, you know, I didn't see a lot of people pining for the Giants. Uh, I would say nineteen out of twenty people who were talking about who they wanted to see on Hard Knocks, regardless of their team affiliation, said the Raiders. Right. A lot of that has to do with with John Gruden, of course. He uh, he can be a star just by concentrating on coaching football, which is which is great. Uh, But the Raiders may not have the market that um, New York has, although now you can argue they're in multiple markets uh, with their impending move. But they certainly have a national identity Mm -hmm. and a a mystique. And people know the Raiders, whether you love them or hate them. You know those guys that wear black and have a reputation of having this uh, hard-boiled mystique. So, Uh, we weren't really worried about a team like the Raiders not getting uh, high ratings. And hopefully we do Uh, you know, we, we average around 4 million people a week that watch the show. And you know, that's, that's incredible for an HBO sports production on a, on a cable subscription uh, basis. And a lot of people, um, watch afterwards when, uh, over the summers when they re-air on NFL network and other places. So, um, the the Giants were certainly an attractive uh, option, and at the end of the day, we just agreed with what everyone else was saying, which is, boy, I what's happening in Oakland? Um, right. And yeah. that's what we do sometimes: just trust our gut that hey, there's there's more interest there than there is elsewhere.
3: I wonder how many people on your production crew were sort of bummed you didn't wait to do the Raiders till they moved to Las Vegas. Now, I don't even know if they trained in Las Vegas, but I would imagine if they did, that would uh that would have been attractive to the crew there. Hey, listen,
6: the to the training camps in Napa, California, they're not yeah. having too bad of a time. That's true.
3: It's still not Vegas, but that, uh, Napa's not bad.
6: <laughs> I'm uh, not sure which town would create the uh, tougher morning wake-up calls. <laughs>
3: um,
6: I'm guessing probably Vegas. Right. I think the vineyards shut down a little early, so... Yeah, Vegas might have been a little a uh, little more raucous. Think, but think um, about the great
3: shot you could have, but, like, you know, Player X. Here's Player X coming out of, you know, the Bellagio at 5 a.m. after a night of playing craps, <laughs> and he's getting fined by the coach for his breaking curfew and...
6: Yeah, you know, we talked a lot also about that, of, hey, the Raiders would be great next year with the first time they're uh, in Vegas. Though, to be honest, most of their training camp looks like it's still going to be in Napa next year, so we'd be in the same location. But, um, listen, moving to Vegas was an attractive reason to wait, and it came down to, yes, the Raiders might be a good show next year. We know they're going to be an interesting show this year. So take the burden hand. This is a team that uh, has a lot of uh, uh, stakes right now. They have a lot of movement in trying to get better. They have a lot of free agents. They have a lot of uh, rookies and undrafted free uh, free agents it there's there's a lot of turnover happening, and who knows next year, you know they could. Win the Super Bowl and say, "Yeah, we're not on the list anymore, yeah. and uh, we're not interested." And we would have missed an opportunity to do a team that uh, was in transition, which often gives us a really good show.
3: I'm just curious, and, I, and I'm the last one here, and then we'll dig into the Raiders and and this season, which begins sure. August 6. I they I know they were not eligible and they couldn't have done it because they did it last year. But was there any thought on your end to try to maybe go? back to back years with the Browns or convinced the Browns to do it again only because, you know, they added Odell. They were so successful last year. They've sort of they are the America's darlings, it seems like, this year in the league. Or because they did it last year, you can't even Think about trying to get them for a second year in a row, or you wouldn't want to do two years in a row with the same team. Because I, I have to say, as the viewer who's just a fan of Arnox, I was like, you know, I'd love to see the Browns again, just because of the, their story of being so bad, and now these expectations. What Was, was that even a, 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 poss- a thought in your brain?
6: Uh, it was very much a consideration, something we talked about internally and externally a lot. Um, and what it would mean for the franchise to repeat a team um, twice in a row, not just the, the Cleveland Browns franchise, but the Hard Knocks franchise. Um, we've always felt like changing it up has, has really allowed the show to be on the air for uh, 18 years now. I mean, the, the, the reason why the show, I think, stays relevant is that we change every year. Um, that being said, if we were ever going to repeat a team, it might have been this year with the Cleveland Browns uh, repeating from last year. There certainly is enough change, as as you talked about, the coaching staff has changed. Uh, you know, Bob Wiley isn't there anymore, so who's taking over the offensive line? <laughs> Obviously, um, Odell coming in would be a big storyline. Um, and it was a it was a top consideration, no doubt. At the end of the day, we I think we felt like the Raiders were equal in terms of storylines and. A bit fresher in terms of some of the characters we'd be continuing a story but we'd lack the ability to introduce them mm-hmm. everyone already saw baker mayfield and the rv last year and people heard jarvis landry's speech to the wide receivers following up with certainly look it would be great but we think we had a little more possibility in oakland to introduce people to to a group of players and coaches that they haven't yet seen on the show because this audience is a very split audience. There's a lot of hardcore football fans, and there's a lot of people that don't watch football at all and are just interested in meeting new people uh, on a documentary program. I mean, this is a very large audience of of non-football fans that don't really care that it involves the football world. They just like the – the characters and the introduction of people trying to do their job at the top level on uh, a premium network like HBO. So um, all these, I mean, these were all, these conversations that we've just had, we had for months over the summer. That's just what we do. We sit around and, and look at the rosters, talk to the teams, look at the rosters, talk to the teams. We just, it's a back and forth conversation with the teams, with HBO, um, and really comes down to a judgment call. Uh, a lot of creativity is. You come do you, down to a judgment call of, of who's best. Um, would one of those teams be better? Possibly, but we're pretty we're pretty confident that the Raiders will be great. Do
3: you, do you know if the Browns were open to that idea?
6: Listen, we talk to the Browns about things that, all the time, so okay. it's not like we didn't have the conversation. The conversation was had. Um, their level of interest certainly wasn't what it was last year (laughs) um if they had volunteered you would have known that their level of interest was the same as last year when they did volunteer um so was the level of interest the same of course not you know that they were attracted by the same thing though that hey this was a good thing for us last year we wonder if it would be a good thing um and it turned out that all of us sort of agreed maybe going in a different direction would be even better
3: Gotcha. All right. Now, I was—I remember being blown away last year when you told me that the editing for an episode goes up to like what do you say, four hours before it airs, or something like that, or six hours before it airs. Um, so I guess we're a ways off before you have episode one in the books. Is there anything you can tell us? Anything we should be looking for when <laughs> the show debuts on August sixth, ten p.m. Eastern, HBO?
6: I've got a big scoop. Antonio Brown will be on the show. <laughs> That's all you
3: got right now.
6: <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, it, it, it is a little early. We've yeah. captured a lot of uh, a great stuff. Obviously, the, the storylines are are just flying at us. I mean, if you could just look at, at one person. Let's just take Derek Carr. And uh, someone that we're covering, we shot with before the show started at his home. Um, and then he's in his second year with a, with a new head coach, so that's a storyline. Uh, he has a new receiver uh, that is perhaps the best in the league who's joining him. That's a storyline. First day of camp, uh, he's having uh, these great deep throws down the field and is working on his deep passes. That's a storyline. They've been moving him around a lot more and working on his mobility. That's a storyline. He's got new uh, offensive linemen, including a guy like Trent Brown, who won the Super Bowl with the Patriots last year uh, and is the largest player in the league uh, at tackle. That's a storyline. He's got Richie Incognito on the line now. That's a storyline. You take one guy and you start to realize – the infinite amount of ways you can go about telling that story. Mm -hmm. So Derek Carr is going to make the show and, you know, maybe Richie Incognito will make the show. Maybe Trent Brown will make the show. Maybe uh, uh, rookies like Josh Jacobs uh, uh, might make the show, but how they'll make the show and what the story is, Mm there's just so much to do and we only have an hour. So it really comes down to not who will make the show, but who will make the show in what way that best represents their week. Because if you split the the 60 minute show into even six characters, which we usually have a lot more than that, Mm -hmm. uh, you're only talking 10 minutes of material. So our goal is really to boil down a character into the essence of what their week was. Uh, and you know I just listed all those things that Derek Carr has gone through in one half of a week of football right. uh, coming up on a on a on a week in two days at camp so listen well, we're we're trying to figure it out right, right. now well, I, I will be hanging up the phone uh, with you and I'm gonna go straight to uh, my bulletin board which has 90 colored cards on mm-hmm. it of all the players and we just we keep trying to figure out what the show will be as the week goes on. I'll,
3: I'll let you hang up in one moment, but since you mentioned Derek Carr thoroughly there. No, I, there's I, no rush. I, I, <laughs> I, know, I know you won't give spoilers, but I'm going to ask for one here. You know, He famously tweeted, Hard Knocks starting at the house today. Might as well have fun with it. Anyone need a shout out? Any mixtapes out there need some help? Will, will we at least get a taste of uh, some of this here uh, on episode one, maybe?
6: Yeah, you know, Derek Carr at his house, uh, you know, was a a fun shoot to introduce us to where he is mentally going into the season. Um, And I I think also, importantly, who he is as a person off the field. Uh, It's one of the best things about hard knocks is realizing that these guys aren't just names on the back of a jersey they're not just um you know in many cases well-paid athletes playing uh playing a sport for their living they are family men and to see him with his children i think uh was fascinating to us how much of it makes the show i wish i could tell you we, we're still still ground zero in terms of uh deciding for sure but the shoot itself was really fascinating to see how driven he is, how dedicated he is in both phases of his life. How good of how good of a family man he is, uh, and something we heard very often. What a great guy he was uh, off the field, uh, but there was a certain fire in his eyes that that I think a lot of fans were wondering would would be there or not. Um, I think Raiders fans certainly assumed it would be there but if you just follow fantasy football or or look at the records you might be wondering hey what's up with this Derek Carr guy and and how's it going to go this year I think very early on in this show you'll see uh, a Derek Carr that you know that how it turns out who knows but he's not taking it uh, lightly I mean he he is as dedicated a football player as we might have had on the show.
3: It's a good way of avoiding a spoiler and letting us know if we see that tweet addressed in the show. But I, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the no spoilers. So I'll uh, I'll look forward to seeing if, if that tweet is mentioned on episode one. <laughs> so that's uh, Hard Knocks. Everyone's everyone loves it. Any NFL fan watches it every summer. One of the only good things about summer HBO Tuesday, August 6, 10 p.m. He is in charge of the show. Ken Rogers. Ken, thanks very much for coming on.
6: Anytime. Thanks for having me, and I hope you enjoy the Raiders.
3: I will. Thank you. Take care. All right. My thanks to Ken Rogers from Hard Knocks, John Sterling, Susan Wolman, Radio Voices of the New York Yankees. If you're a new listener, please subscribe to the SI Media Podcast. And uh, if you could give a little rating and review, that would also be a tremendous help. Next week, Stone Cold Steve Austin, WWF legend. So we'll see you then. Have a good one. Take care.